Let's pray this morning. Heavenly Father, we do celebrate that name, Jesus, who came and died for us, gave his life for us. Lord Jesus, we thank you for providing our way of salvation, our way into your kingdom through your sacrificial death. Now, Lord, today I, I pray as we come to your word, we open your word, that, Lord, you would teach us your wisdom, that you would give us understanding of your word and how it affects our lives, so that we might live a life obedient to your will, not only as a church, but individual Christians. Father, teach us your wisdom through your word and through the power of the Holy Spirit. These things I pray in Christ's name. Amen. Have your Bibles with you this morning. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Looking at verses 6 through 16 this morning. The rest of the chapter. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verses 6 through 16. And if you do not have a Bible with you, then I invite you to grab the pew Bible there and turn with me in that. If you do not have your own Bible, then I want to invite you to take that, that pew Bible with you, and that's our gift to you today. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 6 through 16 is our text this morning. Now, as we've been studying 1 Corinthians, we've noticed, noted that the Corinthians, those who lived there in Corinth, were arguing over human philosophies. Human philosophy was a, a, a place of division between the church there. Now this is, you remember, Corinth is, is in Greece. And this is kind of, in a way, the birthplace of philosophy. The philosophy as we know it, right? This is the home of, of great thinkers like Plato and Socrates and Aristotle. I mean, uh, philosophy departments today are still studying these men and their thought today. And so this is the home of these great thinkers. And so the, the Corinthians being uh, that Greece, Greece uh, mindset, they, they like philosophy. They love philosophy. And so it affects their lives. And they still had in this day these traveling philosophers who would come in with these great ideas about how how, where life came from, and, and how we should live life. And, and so uh, they, that's what was on their minds. And so as they get introduced to Christianity, well, this is a new philosophy. And while it's driving the Corinthian church, they still have all of these human philosophies that are kind of pulling them here and there and yonder. They're, they're still allowing these human philosophies to be a part of their life. We've seen it already in some sense with what Paul has said. Some say that I follow Paul. Some say I follow Apollo. Some say I follow Cephas. Uh, so they're, they're kind of picking their teachers and they're saying, I'm, I'm going after this guy, right? I, I'm following his teaching. Not that these men taught anything different, but, but they were aligning themselves with these men and, and they were kind of have, allowing their loyalties to be uh, revolve around these men of Christ. But as we will continue on, we'll see that, well, these human philosophies were affecting the church in other ways too, causing more division in the church. It was affecting their morality. It was affecting how they viewed life. 
And so these philosophies are coming in, and they're guiding the church in several different directions. So human philosophy, we see, is very divisive when it comes to church because basically human philosophy is the differences of opinion. When you think about philosophy, philosophy is the study of the fundamental nature of knowledge, realities, and existence. It's the study of knowledge, reality, how the world exists, right? How all of these things are in existence. And it thinks about things like where we came from. What's the meaning of life? What about morality? How how should we view morality in the world? And human philosophy comes at at this at a very different angle than do Christians, right? Because human philosophy can never take us to God. Human philosophy cannot understand the things of God. It cannot understand God's wisdom. And so when we take, for example, Harvard University, right? Harvard University was created in, in, in its original Uh, the founders of it, they created Harvard to basically be a preacher factory. As the settlers came to America, they realized if they were going to prosper under God, then they needed to have an educated pastorate. And so they founded Harvard College to educate pastors. Well, Harvard College is far from that today. They are far from that today. But there's still all of these markings of Christianity all around the college. Now, they try to cover up a lot of those things with bushes and that sort of thing, but it's there. You just got to know where to look. Over the uh, Emerson Hall. Emerson Hall is where the, the philosophy department is housed at Harvard College. And over the top of, of Emerson Hall is Psalm, the first part of Psalm 8-4. What is man that you are mindful of him? Now here's the ironic part about that. That human reasoning has brought all of the Harvard philosophers to not think much about God at all. Human philosophy, human wisdom ha- has brought all of the philosophers who walk under that sign every day day after day in and out they walk under this sign but yet human wisdom has brought them to the agnostic at best and atheistic at worst but that's where human philosophy gets us because the human mind cannot fathom god right the human mind we are natural God is supernatural. He is above us. And so the human mind, our human mind just can't wrap our thoughts around God. We can't understand a thing about God in our own natural ability. And so human wisdom takes us in a very different way than to God. Human philosophy has a very naturalistic bent to it, right? Because everything is about the natural realm. 
but we have the evolutionary theology or evolutionary theory, excuse me, evolutionary theory. So we, we were a cosmic accident. Now, where does that kind of mindset lead us when we think about uh, our purpose in life and even our existence? If we're just a cosmic accident, then there is no purpose for life. There is no purpose. We're an accident. We're just here by mistake, right? There was just this kind of God that got together and the, this gene kind of deformed and, and now we're here and we're a mistake. We're just a cosmic accident. So our life has no purpose. And so a naturalistic philosophy will say, well, life is what you make it. It's all about what you want it to be. You define your purpose in life. That's why human philosophy has no problem with transgenderism. Human philosophy has no problem with homosexuality. Because you are what you make yourself. It's, it's all about your, your mistake anyway. You're an accident. So if you want to be, if you want to change sexes, that's all right because you were an accident in the beginning. So it doesn't really matter. See, there's no thought of God. And what about morality? Really, if we're just an accident, if only the strong survive, then why morality at all? Why, why should we have these, these categories of moral and immoral? And the secular thinker, they're going to go more that way. Well, well, really, there's no need to define morality and immorality because what matters is what, uh, what suits me best. Live and let live. See, that's where the human philosophy leads to. But God has blessed us and graced us, and he has given us his wisdom. He has given us his wisdom. You see, human philosophy can never fathom God. So if we're going to fathom God, if we're going to think about God, if we're going to gain God's wisdom, then we need help. We have to have help. We can't get there on our own. And that's what we're going to see today what this text teaches us, that God's wisdom can be known only through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. God's wisdom can only be known through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. If we're to understand anything about God, anything about his purpose for humanity, anything about true morality, then God has to reveal it for us. He has to step down and show himself to us or we're never going to get it. By his grace, he has given us a vision of his wisdom through the power of the Holy Spirit, through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. So today we're going to see two complementary ideas concerning God's wisdom. First, that, that God's wisdom cannot be understood, cannot be known through through human philosophy, and second, that God's wisdom can only be known through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. So we're going to see those and work those out in detail, and I hope that today that we learn to rely on, to depend on the power of the Holy Spirit working in us to teach us the wisdom of God and how we can learn more about God's wisdom through studying the Word. 
depending upon the Holy Spirit to reveal God's wisdom to us. So if you found your place there in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 6 through 16, please stand with me in reverence to the reading of God's holy word. Hear the word of the Lord. Yet among the mature, we do impart wisdom, although it is not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away. But we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except, except the spirit of that person which is in him? So also, no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. A natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges all things, but is is himself to be judged by no one, for who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Amen. May the Lord add blessings to the reading of his holy, inspired, and inerrant word. May he write its eternal truth on all our hearts. And you may be seated. So the first truth that we see here about God's wisdom is that God's wisdom cannot be known through human philosophy. God's wisdom cannot be known through human philosophy. Look at the first couple of verses there, verses 6 and 7. Yet among the mature. Now, that word mature there. Now, later on, Paul is going to, to kind of make a distinction between mature Christians and baby Christians. Those who, who get into the meat of the word and those who are still on the milk of the word. That's not what he's doing here. The word there is the Greek word teleos, which means complete Uh, Those who are mature, Paul is talking about those who have been made complete in Christ. He's talking about Christians, those who are made alive in Christ. And so he's not making that distinction here at this point uh, between mature Christians and and baby Christians. He's just saying the Christians, among the Christians, those who have Christ, who have been made complete in Christ. We do impart wisdom. Although it is not a wisdom of this age, are of the rulers of this age. It's not of the philosophies of 
this world, who are doomed to pass away, literally, who are perishing. Right? Paul has already told us there's those who are, are, are uh, perishing and those who are being saved. And so human philosophy comes from those who are perishing, those who are doomed to pass away. But we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which was decreed, which God decreed before the ages for our glory, for our salvation. Now, first thing that we notice here is that human philosophy, it, it can't understand the things of God because God's wisdom is hidden. God's wisdom is hidden. Notice again there, but we impart a secret and hidden wisdom. Now, maybe your version there, according to what version you're looking at, it may have something about the mystery of God, right? And really what he's talking about here, uh, kind of a, a literal translation would be, but we impart wisdom of God, wisdom from God, in the mystery that has been hidden. That would be a more literal reading of that verse. And he, Paul uses this word mystery. Mysterion is the Greek word, but it's mystery. Now, in our minds, we think of mystery as kind of like a murder mystery. So all the pieces of the puzzle are there, and we just kind of got to put them together to figure out who murdered who, right? But that's not the word mystery. That's not the meaning of this word mystery that Paul is using. The meaning of this word that Paul is, is using is that this is a secret. This is a divine secret that, that men have had, not had the capability to understand. Mysterion means a divine secret, a secret whose, whose concern party is God about those uh, above. Oh, excuse me, I can't read my own writing here. It is a secret whose concern party is God alone and those to whom he chooses to share that information. And so the mystery here, it's not that it's something there with these pieces that we've got to put together to figure out. It's not that kind of mystery, but it's a secret. It's a secret. It's something that only God understood. It's only something that he knew. And the only way that we can understand that mystery is that God give it to us, that he reveal it to us. So it's a secret hidden wisdom we can't go up to god we can't go up to god we can't understand the things of god a, a natural mind can't grasp supernatural things we just can't and so this wisdom the god's wisdom has been it's been hidden from us been hidden and it's still hidden from the world those who are in the world who are of the flesh right those who are lost they can't obtain god's wisdom because it's still hidden from them and he goes on and he illustrates this paul illustrates this well none of the rulers of this age understood this far if they had, if they had understood God's wisdom, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. You see, you had all of these great thinkers there in Jerusalem, intelligent men who Christ, whom Christ stood before. 
They had seen the great miracles, or at least heard of the great miracles that Christ had done, yet they were blind to it. They couldn't grasp God's wisdom. God's wisdom was hidden from them. Therefore, they crucified Christ, the very Son of God. So God's wisdom is hidden. It is hidden from the natural mind. Second, we see that God's wisdom is not discerned through the avenues that we, we think through, right? The avenues that things are revealed to us. Now, there are two ways that we, we gain knowledge in this world. As human beings, there are two ways that we gain knowledge. One of them is objective knowledge. So this is things that we can feel, touch, hear, right? We can observe them. And the other way is through just thinking, just thinking things out. It's an internal type of reasoning. It's subjective. And, and Paul addresses both of those here. But as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagine what God has prepared for those who love him, those who trust in him. And Paul is quoting Isaiah 64, 4 here, kind of uh, interpreting it, giving some interpretation to it. But look at it, what no eye has seen nor ear heard, that's objective knowledge. That is empirical research. That's empirical research. Here is the object to study. Let's, let's look at it. Let's observe all there is to know about it. Let's understand it, and, and we can come to some knowledge of it. That's empirical research, it's objective. It's there. We can, it's true, right, because we can observe it and see that it's true. We can't observe God. God is not at a place where we can go say, oh, well, look at God. Look at what he looks like. We see him. We see his image. We see what he looks like. We see what he can do. God, we can't see God. God is invisible. He is spirit, supernatural. He is above us. We cannot see God and observe him. We can't understand the things of God through empirical research. Second, we can't understand God through internal reasoning. We can't understand God through internal reasoning. That is that subjective thought. That's really what philosophers do, right? They think about things like where we came from, purpose of life, morality. You, you can't necessarily see those things and observe them. And so it's all about internal reasoning, logic. And so they think on these things, and they come to some subjective knowledge. Again, there it's subjective. So this person may come to a certain view of the world through his line of thought, and this person may come to a very different view of the way the world exists through his own line of thought. So it's very subjective. It's all about internal thinking. Well, he addresses that, nor heart has imagined that's that internal reasoning. Our heart, our mind cannot imagine God. And so we can never come to a true understanding about God and the wisdom of God, the things of God, by just sitting here and contemplating God. We can't do it. It's useless. It's useless to sit here and just think about God on our own and think that we can step up to his level. Look, look here. A, a, thing, a lesser being can never 
understand a greater being without that greater being coming down and presenting himself or herself to the lesser being. We can observe the ant. We can watch them. We can observe them. We can dissect them. We can learn a lot about an ant because we're above an ant. But an ant can never look up and understand anything about us. We're above them. How much more God? We are an ant. And God is above us. He knows everything about us because he created us. But he can also observe us. He watches over us. He sees how we live and how we walk and how we inter, intermingle with one another. He observes us. Yes, he, can, he knows everything about us, so he don't learn anything about us, but he observes us. But we can't look back to God and observe him and learn anything about him unless he comes down to our level shows himself to us. We can never understand God's wisdom we can never know God's wisdom apart from God. Human philosophy will never get us there. Human philosophy will always lead us away from God, not to God. That means that we can't understand anything about God through philosophy. We can't understand uh, the reasons for creation, the reasons for our existence apart from God. We can't understand the meaning of life apart from God. We can't even understand the value of life apart from God. Why you have all of these divided philosophies in our world today that because they focus on worldly philosophy, worldly wisdom, the wisdom of men. And so you have capitalism and socialism who are on opposite ends of the spectrum. And there's, there's no, no, I mean, no give there, right? There's, there's no agreement there. And in churches, people bring these kind of ideas, these human philosophies into the church. And, and this is the human way of thinking. But I think it goes this way, and I think it goes that way, and I think it goes this other way. I don't care what you think. What does God say? That should be our position. Because human philosophy will never get us to God. Human philosophy takes us all kinds of, uh, down all kinds of different roads for morality, but we can never understand morality outside of God. Human philosophy will take us away from God. Look at our world. Living under human philosophy, our world is drifting farther and farther and farther away from God. Human philosophy will never take us to God. It will only take us away from God. But church, we can never give in to human philosophy. It's all around us. It's everywhere that we look. We're exposed to it constantly. You don't just have to go to the university to, to get the world's thoughts on things, right? It's fed to us through media, even social media. It's fed to us on the news channel. It's fed to us through the sitcoms. It's fed to us through the, the TV dramas. It, it's fed to us everywhere we go. It's fed to us by our government. It's fed to us everywhere. It's all around us. 
human philosophy wants to influence the church. But we cannot give in to human philosophy because, because human philosophy will never take us to God. It will only lead us away from him. So God's wisdom cannot be known through human philosophy. Second, God's wisdom can only be known. Here's the opposite, right? God's wisdom can only be known through the Holy Spirit's ministry. God's wisdom can only be known through the Holy Spirit's ministry. Continuing on in verse 10 there, these things, what, what things? God's wisdom, these things, his wisdom has been revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. So it's God's Spirit who knows God. God's Spirit knows God. We can't know God. We can't understand God. But God's Spirit knows God. Why? Because God's Spirit is God. God's Spirit is God. And Paul goes on to illustrate this for us so that we can grasp it better. Look at verse 11. For who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. Now what Paul is talking about there, look, you know, Mary Beth and I have been married 26 years in February. We married, have been married 26 years. We, we've been gathered long, longer than we've been apart. So Mary Beth knows more about me probably than anybody else. My successes, my failures, she knows most everything about me, and, and, and she knows a lot about me. But there's things that Mary Beth doesn't know about me. There's things that only I know about me. She may know me very well, but I know me better. Right? There are just things, and, and that's true of anybody. I mean, you could say, oh, I'm so open with my spouse. Uh, they know everything about me. They don't know everything about you. There are some, some things that only you know about you. Let me tell you, dear friend, you may know a lot about me, but you'll never know as much about me as I know about me. And that's what Paul is saying. That's what Paul is saying. God's Spirit knows God because it, it's God's Spirit. It knows the, the depths of God. It knows all of God's thoughts. Excuse me, he, because it's a person, but it. God's Spirit knows God because He is God. He's in God. He knows God. He, he ha has all of the thoughts of God right there. He knows the depths of God. We don't know God. Not like the Spirit of God knows God. God's Spirit knows God. And then God's Spirit imparts God's wisdom. Look at verse 12. Now, we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might so that, here's the purpose, here's why God has given us His Spirit, so that we might understand the things freely given us by God, that we may freely may understand all that God's grace has given us. And so the Holy Spirit imparts the wisdom of God. God's Spirit imparts God's wisdom. And here's how he does it. There's three ways in which we see God's Spirit imparting wisdom to us. First of all, through revelation. That's what verse 12 is talking about. 
It's revelation. It's a revealing from God. God graciously reveals himself. He's been hidden from us, but God says, I'm revealing myself to you graciously. It's freely given to you through the Holy Spirit. And so he reveals to us the things of God. So that's revelation. Second, the Holy Spirit imparts God's wisdom through inspiration. Through inspiration. Look at verse 13. And we, what is that first person plural there? We impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. Who is the we that Paul is talking about here? He's talking about the apostles. Right? He, he's shifting. He's not talking about the church. He's talking about the apostles. We. We impart. The Holy Spirit has imparted it to us. We impart this wisdom in words not taught by human wisdom. And, and so this imparting that comes from the apostles, from Paul, from Peter, from all the other apostles, this is imparted through the Holy Spirit, through the apostles, in words. He uses words. And the apostles wrote these words down. And God has, uh, has uh, kept these words for us. He has preserved them for us in his word. John 14, 26, Jesus tells his disciples, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. So Jesus is getting the apostles ready. You are going to write these things down. You are going to be inspired by the Holy Spirit and given the word of God to pass on to the next generation. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, Paul says, All Scripture, all Scripture, that's Old Testament and the New Testament, all Scripture is, is breathed out by God. That's actually one word. It's God-breathed. All Scripture is God-breathed. All Scripture is God-breathed. That is, that God breathed the Word into the hearts of those who authored it, the human authors. So that every word that the human authors write down, though they use their own vocabulary, they use their own kind of style, yet still the Holy Spirit breathe out the word in such a way that every word they wrote down is the word of God. And so every word in the Bible was inspired by God. It was breathed out by God. So that every word in this book right here is God's word. This is God's word. It's not Paul's word. It's not Paul's opinion. It's not Peter's opinion. It's not John's opinion. It's not Matthew's opinion. It's none of the, the writers of Scripture. It's none of their opinions. It is the Word of God. Now, people will say, well, no, that, that was just, you know, he, he kind of, they had the idea, you know, they were godly men, and they wrote down their, their thoughts, and that's what, this is really just the thoughts of some good godly men. No, no, no. This is the Word of God. It's breathed out by God. Every word in this book is God's word. Second Peter 1.21, For no prophecy has ever was ever produced by the will of man. 
But he says, what I'm writing right now is not my opinion. No prophecy, no word has been written by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So here the Holy Spirit, his ministry to us, it was to work through the apostles, through the Old Testament prophets, and to inspire them to write the very word of God so that what we have in Scripture is God's word. You get that? There's a reason that every Sunday after I read the, the morning scripture, I say, may the Lord add blessings to his holy, inspired, and inerrant word. Because I want you to get that every week. This is not my opinion. It's not Paul's opinion. It's not Peter's opinion. This is God's word. Given to us by God. So that if we disobey a word of this book, we disobey God. Who cares what the world says? We care about what God says. Period. We will not, as a church, live by the philosophies of men, but by the very word of God. So the Spirit imparts God's wisdom through revelation and through inspiration the inspiration of holy scripture every word is his word third he imparts wisdom god's wisdom through illumination through illumination notice verse 14 and 6 14 through 16 there the natural person does not accept the things of the spirit of god for they are folly to him and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The, spirit, the spiritual person, the one with the spirit, judges all things but is himself to be judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as, it, as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. We have the mind of Christ. We have the Holy Spirit giving us the mind of Christ as he lives within us. The world doesn't understand that. That's why the, the world looks at Christians and says, I don't understand you. They don't like Christians because they can't get a handle on us. Why? Because they're not spiritual. They don't understand the things of God. They're never going to understand the things of God, so they're going to co continue to persecute us, say bad things about us, because they don't understand things of God. They don't understand those who are spiritual. But God's Holy Spirit, he, he gives us spiritual discernment. He illuminates us. So here's how this works. The Holy Spirit, as we read Scripture, even now as I'm preaching Scripture, because right? I'm not preaching my opinion, I'm preaching the text. And so as I'm preaching God's Word, and as you go home and you read God's Word, the Holy Spirit that is in, in, in you, living in you and dwelling in you, He is teaching you through the Word. He is illuminating it. I don't know, have you ever had the experience before you were a Christian that you might have read the Word 
but it just seemed like, I don't know, it didn't make sense to you. But then when you come to faith, alive, didn't it? Came alive. Now you read it, and, and every time you read it, you see something else because this, the Holy Spirit is working in you, revealing God's wisdom to your spirit. The Holy Spirit makes us alive. He gives us eyes to see and to understand His Word. Illuminates us, gives us light. can't understand God's Word. I mean, there's a lot of atheists, right, who know God's Word maybe better than we do in, in some sense, right? They, they know the content of the book better than a lot of Christians do, but they don't understand it. It doesn't make a difference in their lives. It's just another book of good ideas. But it makes no fundamental difference. They don't understand it at a deep level. They don't have the Spirit. We have been blessed with the Spirit of God to give us light. So let me just tell you, Christian, that as you seek the wisdom of God, as you seek to understand God, it's never about what you think about God. Because I see a lot of Christians making this mistake. Well, I think God this. Well, I think God that. You don't have to think. Here's his word. Read his word. If it's in his word, then that's, that's what God says. That's what he thinks. That's his wisdom. And he'll bring greater light to it as you read it and understand it. But you can't say, I think God this, and, and not have read his word. I had one preacher tell me one time that a lady came to him for counseling. After he kind of dug in with her a little while, he, he come to realize that this lady had been having a long-time affair with a married man. And, and he said, well, you can't, that's sin. You can't do that. And her response was, well, I think God would want me to be happy. I think this is what God wants because I'm happy and God would want me to be happy. You see, she thought God. But she didn't go to the Word of God and understand what God says. We can think a lot of things about God and lead us astray. Well, I feel God telling me this. A lot of spirits will talk to you and whisper things into your ear, even spirits that are not godly spirits. There, there's the spirit of the devil that whispers sweet things in your ear and tries to lead you away from God. That's what he did with Adam and Eve. Did God really say? And a lot of Christians will hear these little murmurs going about their mind, well, God this, God that, and they never go to the Word. We'll never understand anything about God unless it's through his Word. Because it's through the word that he has chosen to reveal himself. And it's only as we read the word and are taught the word that God makes his word come alive to us and we, we get greater understanding of God's wisdom. So our morality is not defined by the world's morality. Our morality is never defined by what we think. God would want. Our morality is defined what God says in His Word. 
There's a lot of Christians who compromise that. Let me tell you, disobey God's word. Disobey God. If you are disobeying God's word, God will chastise you. God has given us his wisdom. The question is, will we heed? Your friends, we must be absolutely, totally dependent. We are totally dependent on the will or the wisdom. We are completely and totally dependent upon his wisdom. We are completely and totally dependent upon his spirit to give us that wisdom. We are dependent upon God. So dear Christians, I beg you today, surrender your will to God's wisdom. Get in his word. Understand his word. Read his word. Allow the spirit to work through his word to teach you the greater things of God and mold your life around God's wisdom not the opinions of men even your own surrender to the will of God there are some certainly here today you don't know God's wisdom because you've never had the spirit of God living in you teaching you the wisdom of God but I want you to know that God graciously and freely gives his wisdom to trust in Jesus. Give your life over to him. And that's God's invitation to you today. You've never trusted in Jesus. You've been following the philosophies of this world, perhaps even your own philosophy of living, instead of God's. And that philosophy is leading you away from God. Today, turn around. Turn away from that human philosophy and turn to the wisdom of God that is found in Jesus. Trust in Jesus. Give your life to him. And this book will come alive to you. You will understand God. Things of God. to him. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you. Lord, you didn't have to reveal yourself to us. You're not obligated to give us the Holy Spirit to teach us the things of God. You were never obligated to give us the word, your word. But we can know you, but Lord, here it is. You have given it to us. You have preserved it for us. Centuries upon centuries you have preserved it for us so that we today can read your word and, and through the power of your Holy Spirit understand your word and know you. And Lord, we recognize that that gift is only available through Jesus Christ and his precious sacrifice on Calvary's cross. So Lord God, we thank you for providing your wisdom to us. Lord, help us to be obedient. Help us to be obedient. Help, help us to, to hear your wisdom above the world's wisdom. 
follow your guidance in our lives. These things I pray in Christ's name.